Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. Today is episode 33. I'm your host, as always, Ryan Basor. And we're excited to have on the show, fresh from his big Court of Appeals win, Michael Tui. Michael, thank you for uh, for joining us up in Houghton, Michigan, up at Northern Specialty Health. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, I'm out of my normal office today and had the privilege of letting Penny set, set me up a spot here in the facility. Um, there's not a whole lot of spots for cell signal and connections here, <laughs> here in the northern tip of the U.P. No, that's awesome. Uh, excited, and uh, you know we're uh, um, big supporters of Northern Specialty Health. What Penny's been doing up there too, so I love the cannabis community. But uh, I'm gonna welcome Tom Beller at Real Leaf Solution over in Kalkaska, way farther south than Houghton. How's it going, Tom? <laughs> it's going great. Going great. Beautiful nice. day. And Kevin and uh, Lansing with me at True Cannabis. Kevin, what's happening Thursday? Oh, same old, same old. Just uh, chugging along, trying to get uh, get our feet underneath us. And uh, yeah, it's a good day, man. Awesome. Well, uh, I want to introduce Mike a little bit more. Michael Tui has been a mainstay uh, since I got into cannabis in Michigan. Michael did at the same time, uh, officially, uh, I guess both of us, but well before that, well before that. Always been a huge advocate. I've had the pleasure of listening to Michael speak uh, in Lansing, um, in Traverse City, all over the place. Wealth, wealth, wealth of knowledge. He's uh, also a certified medical assistant. He's the founder CNO, CEO of Great Lakes Hemp Supplements and the Center for Compassion. Done a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, great work getting patients uh, certified and access to their medicine over the last decade. Uh, when uh, when a lot of people wouldn't, and uh, so we're real thankful for Michael. Of course, he had this uh, great court of appeals win when he didn't have to keep pushing it, but he did. And of course, with Camorn Law, who's you know done so much great stuff in Michigan. So Michael's got a, a, a resume that goes down past my page. So he's spoken all over the all over the country. So from there, Michael, let's hear a little bit more about your journey. I know you've you've had issues like some of us with the criminal justice system, and uh, you, tell us why you're so passionate and devoted your life to cannabis and CBD and hemp. And then um, after that, I'd love to hear about the court of appeals. So thanks, Michael. No, thank you again, Ryan, for having me. You know, um, so my background, I wasn't raised in, you know, my parents weren't hippies. Um, I didn't know much about cannabis. My first experience was with friends of mine, 15 years old, pop can bowl, you know, in the woods, um, all behind the houses. But my dad was raised in, I was raised in the church. My dad is uh, an ordained minister. I used to travel as a youth evangelist when I was younger. Um, I grew up going to church camps after high school. I did youth evangelism, um, went on to Christian college actually as well. But in high school, I ended up getting kicked out of high school for uh, having cannabis in my car. Um, went on to college, did jail time for my very first use of marijuana charge. It was 45 days in jail um, for three eighths of marijuana. I got out. 
um, signed up with that youth evangelist program and got out of town. Um, something I'd always wanted to do anyways. I've worked with kids um, in the church since I was really young, was a paid childcare worker. So I've always had a passion for helping kids and that's later on what led me into the CBD side of the industry. Um, you know, but growing up in the church and having that first experience of getting kicked out of high school, you know, I was quoting scripture to the judge, like out of Genesis, like this is a God gave us every seed bearing plant said it was good. Like, who are you to tell me that I can't use this plant? You know, and this is back in 99. What, um, what did he say to you? So, what did he say to you when you told him that? <laughs> they didn't really have a, I don't remember. I, I don't really remember any good responses. Um, I don't think I've ever had a good response to that. I've done it to the judge a couple of times and they don't, you know, it's all they can stand on is their little man-made laws. Like law of nature is the only thing that really applies. You know, a man can make up all they want, but just like it's shown in my life, the laws. So I have, besides the marijuana charge, I have two possession of a switchblade charges in my past. Well, switchblades are now legal also. You can buy an unassisted knife. Right? I got five marijuana convictions. It's legal now. Laws change. We all have had that impact on helping to change these laws. Um, but for me, it was that recycling of, of those cannabis convictions, like 60 days for three-tenths of a gram of marijuana, 60 days for a quarter of a gram of marijuana that they scraped seeds and stems out of the carpet on the floor of my car. You know, just... You just continue, you drop dirty, you go back to jail for 60 days, you know, you know, trying to constantly, I get calls still all the time, like, how do I pass a drug test? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I was the, I was, I got good at it. You know, I could eat enough niacin and drink enough water. I could smoke a blunt on the way to my piss test and still pass. But even as a big guy, um, you know, I got it down. Um, my PO knew that was the only problem I was ever going to have, but I finally had quit. I did the NA program. I said, I'm gonna quit until this law changes. Um, I went back to jail um, for another use of marijuana charge in 2006. Lost my driver's license. Um, ended up going back to prison on a fling and eluding because I didn't have a license. They figured when they finally caught me, they're like, cause I crashed and I had to just pretty much wait for them. Um, they're like, where's the drugs? Like, what do you have on you that you had to hide? And I'm like, I didn't have anything. Like, you just took my driver's license. I wasn't trying to go back to jail for not having a driver's license on my motorcycle. But that, uh, so I was in prison as you as we were getting in the election drive. Um, and I was watching the news and coming into 2008. I came home in October of 2008 from Pugsley after doing a bunch of time in Jackson. Um, that was my second go round. And it's only because of like all these marijuana convictions. I was on bond for marijuana or on, I had a, I was on probation in Cadillac for five ounces of marijuana when I went to prison. So they upped my security level, put me in a level two um, which was better jailing, but you're in there with lifers and a lot more things happen than what would necessarily happen in the level one. Um, you know, so when I finally came home in 08, like 
all this stuff was going on in the news about the legalization campaign. And I still have friends to this day that are like, I remember you telling me in jail or in the joint that you were going to do this when you came home. And like, and I've done it. You know, I said I was going to open the first Compassion Club, that I was going to get involved. You know, and people didn't like that I was on parole when I first started this. Like, but I went to my PO. And I said, hey, I'm not going to be here to report next Wednesday. I'm going to be in Detroit getting my medical marijuana card. And by the way, by the time you get my next urine screen, it's going to be dirty. But I'm already going to have my medical marijuana card by the time you get the report. And like, so you take it to your boss and you figure out what you want to do about it. And I challenged the system right off the bat. Like, on parole, I had to fight all the way up against Michael Cox, the attorney general of the state of Michigan, to be able to use. I caught another use of marijuana charge with a card while on parole. And I fought that out for a year and a half. And I was trying to get something established back then that would really set some change for the system. Like, you know, like we, you, you don't get that right no more. Like since we, the people passed this law, you don't have the right to say that Marijuana is not my medicine anymore. And back then, they're trying to force you back to Vicodin. And, and even recently, you know, with the recent Court of Appeals case that I had to come up, um, you know, so I wasn't able to get the change I wanted to with that first marijuana conviction while on parole. I fought him for a year and a half. I ran out of money, couldn't afford an attorney anymore. And I ended up pleading to a disturbing the peace, and I had already done 30 days in jail on a, a parole violation because they can sit you down for 30 days without any cause. So I got that because I had marijuana on me, but I had my card. But like their loopholes in the system, you know, they were still screwing me over with it. So that's just kept that fighting spirit in me of like, going against the system, you know, when we were incarcerated and they got beat up over our health care. Um, they didn't want to do anything to take care of us, had me on seizure meds for pain, like all kinds of different scripts they'd run you through just trying to use their, you know, their jail health care system. So um, when it came to this recent court of appeals case, so as it says, I had got on probation um, for a road rage incident. Um, I had basically scared somebody that flipped me off at an intersection by getting out of my car and yelling at him for flipping me off. And this, he could, they called the cops on me. And I'm like, yeah, I scared him. Like, what the hell? Like, sh kids shouldn't be flipping people off. Like, you know, I've never taken that kindly. So it's one of my pet peeves. You know, you shouldn't say shit that you can't back up all these computer warriors and stuff you got nowadays. No, you don't see me. Let's see you say that. But I'm trying to not be that guy anymore. But, you know, there's certain things that we've had to be survival skills that we've learned and they just have a prevalence because of our past, the things we've had to go through. So, you know, unfortunately, that still does come out sometimes. Um, definitely better about keeping it under wraps, though. Um, but, you know... Um, so something else happened. I actually got into, uh, an altercation at a bar and they had called the cops and I, when the cops showed up, I had this warrant for this previous road rage incident. So I ended up going to jail and having to post bond over the road rage incident. And 
um, the bar situation that got into, it got dropped. And um, I got a very interesting footage of the video of it, though. Maybe I'll share online one day. <laughs> but the uh, uh, represent myself, you know, I went in and I pulled the footage from that tape and I got that case dropped with the road rage. No, I had already told the cop that I, yeah, I had scared him. And I guess that's all it takes to be get an assault case is the fear of threat. Like you don't even have to touch anybody anymore, mm. right? You just scare them and they can call the cops and have you arrested. Like that's scary on the whole other justice reform side. Like it's so easy for somebody to get somebody else arrested nowadays in this police that's state. A, that but, just proves never t tell the cops anything, even when you're completely right, they use that against you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, he flipped me off first. That's an assault. He's like, but you assaulted him like worse. I'm like, what? What's the difference? Like he said something, I said something. But, I've, but, um, so, Right from the get with this case, I told the magistrate starts reading down her list of paperwork, right? And I'm representing myself, it's only bond hearing. And uh, she, she reads off no marijuana. And I'm like, well, look, Your Honor, like, you don't get to say that to me anymore. I'm like, and, and uh, I started kind of going off on her a little bit. And the prosecutor kind of like chuckled and like laughed at me in court. And uh, I went through and I got the magistrate to understand, like, look, I'm a medical marijuana patient. Like, you can put that in my paperwork all you want, but I'm going to drop dirty on bond. Like, it's going to happen. Like, I've been smoking for 12 years straight. Like, there's not going to be any time while I'm on bond that I'm going to drop clean, you know. And she's like, well, we expect your levels to go down. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's probably not going to happen either. Like, I was blunt with her. Like, I was like, violate me or put me in jail for it today. I'm like, I will sue you. And uh, so I ended up cornering, like, going up to the prosecutor while he was talking to another attorney in the hallway. I'm like, do you laugh at me in court? He's like, well, you know, you were, you were kind of rude. And I kind of scuffled about it. I was like, I wasn't rude. I was like, I held my ground. I got the magistrate to understand my point and she understands that I'm going to drop dirty. So basically I got away with what I wanted. I accomplished what I wanted with her. And you're over here laughing at me. Like that's kind of disrespectful. Like I'm not the typical guy that you get to just walk over. You know, like I let them know like right from the beginning, like this is not going to be an easy walk for you. This is only a misdemeanor. I can fight this all day. <laughs> like, you know, it's not a felony. I don't have to worry about going back to jail or going back to prison. Like we can dance this out. And uh, so we went into court, you know, with the judge and, you know, got those same bond conditions and, um, you know, made him understand that. And he wanted to see the urine drops go down. And I told him, I'm like, I'm not gonna, you know, stop. And went in for the pre-sentence investigation and the uh, the PSI had said that they recommended I do um, 30 days in jail or quit smoking cannabis for a year and do probation. And I started going off on a probation officer like, look, you guys don't have the right to do this anymore. Like, here's all my paperwork. Here's my card. Here's a letter from the doctor. Like, why are we having this conversation? So I go into sentencing and obviously I know what the PSI says judge almost always goes with the PSI. So I started attacking the judge right off the bat about medical marijuana. And he's like, why are we talking about medical marijuana? Like on an, on an assault case. 
I said, because your PSI says quit smoking medical marijuana and do a year of probation. I'm like, you don't have the right to tell me that anymore. You lost that right in 2008 when the voters of Michigan passed the Medical Marijuana Act. You don't get to do that to me anymore. And uh, and the judge is like gonna lock me up for that day and on sentencing. And so I told him, I said, I will try. You know, and I was about to turn myself in too and just do the 30 days because me and him were going back and forth in the courtroom. And again, I'm representing myself. Like, I didn't get Camorn until I needed, once I was on probation, um, I got my doctor to look up the uses of Marinol. So Marinol is an FDA approved drug. It's been approved for cancer wasting syndrome for well over 20 years is synthetic THC for those that don't know watching, right? So Marinol is an FDA approved drug that can be prescribed and picked up from the pharmacy. And it's synthetic THC molecule and sesame oil, that's it. So there's been research that shows that it works um, for spinal stenosis. And I have spinal stenosis documented in my medical records, you know, so my doctor in all ethical practice was able to prescribe me Marinol. So I go in and I have a, a hearing to amend, and this is when I got Comorin also. So I have a hearing to amend the terms of my probation to allow me to use medical marijuana. Because I knew I was never going to get it in court before sentencing. I have no other people that we've worked this through. And it just, it's in Travers, it wasn't. How did, how did uh, Kamorn become your, your guy? Obviously, I love Michael. Like, how did that happen? So I've worked with, you know, and just and been friends. I've got a, you know, I've got a number of attorneys that we're friends with through the cannabis industry, you know, and I love them all. Every one of them, I think, has their place. Um, and what they're doing. But for me, Kamorn, um, one, he's got the MMMA. I've been a member of the Michigan Medical Marijuana Association from day one. Like I was one of the top three compassion clubs listed on that website back in the very beginning in 2009 when we opened in Traverse City. So I've been doing medical marijuana certification since June of 2009, following up with patient treatment plans, um, in, in the actual care and dosing um, of the patient, right? So we've been actively involved in overseeing and conducting certifications since then, since June of 2009. So I've been a vet, um, worked with them through that since they've taken over the Med Michigan Medical Marijuana Association. You know, I've done a couple of events with their guys um, at, around the state, spoke for them. Um, as Michael has taken on the Michigan Hemp Association as well. So like a new hemp chapter of it that they're trying to be more involved in with another one of their attorneys, um, Mr. Fisher, I believe it is. Um, and so when I, and, and I knew that he would help me, yep. right? So like I said before, I ran out of money on an attorney. It's hard to keep them up. And that's why I also have this GoFundMe up on Facebook and this Facebook fundraiser is because Comorn continued the fight when I didn't have the money to give him because of COVID and everything that's happened. 
like all the way up. I haven't, you know, I haven't paid him in a while. So he hasn't, he wasn't paid to go to the, to the, the circuit court. Um, I wasn't able to pay him in full to do the circuit court appeal from district court. And then they, when they denied it based on a simple policy from a judge that's no longer even sitting on the bench, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, I was like, you know, we got to take this to the Court of Appeals. But he also worked with me because at the very first bond hearing, they denied my medical marijuana use while on, or sorry, at the very first probation hearing that we did to amend the terms of my probation. They denied that medical marijuana use in amending the terms of my probation to use medical marijuana. But at that hearing, after Michael Kamoran went in the judge's chambers with the prosecutor, and I could hear them getting into it back there for about 15 minutes, <laughs> they come out and Kamoran calls me back up to the, bench, to, the, to the podium. The judge calls me back to the bench, you know, on record. And, and he's like, well, we're looking at your urine screens and we see that they've all been the same. He says, so we're going to attribute that to your use of Marinol, your FDA approved prescription. <laughs> and we're going to make it a record that you're going to drop dirty for THC. So they approved the Marinol prescription that I can pick up at Walgreens, but they won't let me use the plant. Right? That they don't have the right anymore to even tell me that we don't get to use. So, um, you know, that's why I was able to really get Kamoran also to stick it out because he knew that at that point I was good. Like I could smoke. Nobody was ever going to know the so difference. You, I, didn't, I so never I didn't, quit smoking. I didn't smoking. know that. So you actually were okay to smoke, didn't know the difference, but then you guys decided to still... Like, hey, we need to fix fix it for the rest of the day and push forward. And... <clears throat> yeah, because friends of mine that I know around town, that they, you know, they know I'm going through this situation, and they're like, man, I'm on bond or I'm on probation. Like, what am I going to do? Because I was making it kind of public, and I had a company that was interested in purchasing my company at the time, and they're, like, telling me not to talk about it and, you know, and... Tell, you know, you know, just kind of shut, be quiet about it, you know, and and I'm like, no, like I gotta tell people, like there's there's ways around this stuff, like they don't have the right to tell us that you don't get to use anymore, and just because I was able to get a Marinol script, so I was good, the next guy ain't gonna be able to do that. He's not gonna have the same conditions. He's not gonna have a doctor that's gonna write him that you just, script. You just jogged right? my memory here. We, that we we're, There's a, a guy we're supporting now. We're announcing it with our Michigan Cannabis uh, Prisoner Coalition that we're doing. And um, he got, had his medic, did his time, wasn't for marijuana, got out, got his medical marijuana card used. They put him back in jail for seven years. He's in there with five years left. I mean, this has gotta be, this has gotta like, play on that then this is just you know i just you just made me think of this so I'm, I'm happy that you're on but yeah they're doing that that's like one of the biggest scams in the criminal justice system is is uh you know the marijuana as far as probation violations and what they make us do and, and jump through so man you might have just got a lot of people even out of jail <laughs> <laughs> well you know it ought to it, hopefully it'll protect anyone from having to go to jail farther. I'm already getting messages of some people that it's applied to. 
Um, I got others that are telling me their attorneys are saying that they need more information. They need a letter from their doctor and this and that. And really, like, this case sets it a, a new state precedence. Like, this is state law now. This is the highest decision in Michigan that applies and changes the way the laws are interpreted. The Supreme Court, the the Supreme judge, Court said they're, they're done with it, right? Well, so the prosecutor is not going to appeal it to the Supreme okay. Court. So she agreed to not appeal it to the Supreme Court, that it was a three to zero. And even though she doesn't like the decision that she had to support the the sound, like legal backing and judgment that the, that the Court of Appeals provided to her. Um, she also never wrote a brief to the Court of Appeals. Hmm. Like they did not respond to the court of appeals. So I don't even think you could appeal it. I didn't want some of that first series in writing to Hunter later on, like ten years ago. You wrote this. <laughs> like, yeah. They, so I mean, they didn't even respond. Um, Comorn just had a really good, good, solid argument. They cited a lot of other cases. There was, you know, there was nothing that they could really do to for a response. Like. You're standing on a policy, a policy that you wrote in a county doesn't get to supersede state law. Sorry, like you're not that that important. <laughs> yes, but it worked for many, many years until somebody finally challenged them. I have a lot of friends that, you know, they're forced back to opiates or they're forced back, you know, to pharmaceutical drugs because the judge, they got in trouble for a drinking offense and now they can't use their medical marijuana. Um, like you said, this is, it's been going on. We've seen it. Um, I ended up, you know, luckily being able to be the first person on parole in the state of Michigan to drop dirty all the way down. But they still had to document like they were disciplining me. So they made me go to counseling a little bit. You know, I'm like, whatever, give me some one on one counseling because I got kicked out of group counseling right away because I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. Let's talk about weed. I got a medical card. <laughs> like, you know, I just always has been very blatant about it. You know, I've got it tattooed on my back, a giant marijuana leaf with all the uses of the hemp plant, um, you know, a cannabis leaf with all the uses of the hemp plant, food, fiber, textiles, you know, industry, fuel, medicine. I mean, all the, this, you know, each seven finger of the leaf has a benefit. Let's, let's like, talk about that for a second, because uh, I know I wanted to, you're one of the, you know, if not the, you know, leading voice and been doing it as far as consistency over the years with uh, uh, hemp and CBD and um, what's going on in Michigan CBD market and hemp as far as the last two years. I know there wasn't really a supply chain. Uh, people figured out uh, the hard way. You have your own supply chain, so... <laughs> Kudos to you. I mean, that's smart. So, yeah, give us a little on that. Well, you know, being the felon, I've kind of been a little bit limited on what I can do in the medical marijuana space. You know, that's why we have clinic. And, again, the juveniles, the infants, the child always having a place in my heart. Um, I had a four-year-old with brain cancer, and we're trying to feed him Simpson oil. Like, hold up. This doesn't work. Like, you know, and I got him in my office asking for his oil, and that really put me on the path of like, all right, we gotta find this CBD. Like, I'm hearing about it, it was just starting to come out. Like, how do I get it? And I finally got my hands on the Canatonic 4 in Lansing to the Robert C. Randall Wellness Center. Yeah. Um, Robert C. Randall. Came in, I came in right after uh, we shut down CCC. Uh, yeah, I love that building. <laughs> You know, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, and that was, uh, you know, they they were trying to do the clinic and take a good approach there, and it didn't really work out for what they were trying to do here in Michigan. Um, but Alice O'Leary in the story with Robert C. Randall, I made some really good connections there, and with Mary Lynn with Patients Out of Time and having them in to do events at the Lansing College um, shoot, way back, like, was it 2011 or 2013, something like that. I mean, um, it was just an incredible time frame that I was when I was able to get my hands on that can of tonic, and, and the industry was doing pretty, pretty decent um, back then before things all went kind of haywire and all the court cases and the raids and all that fun period went in and you know luckily I had had my my trouble with cannabis earlier on and and since the medical marijuana law has come into effect uh, my local community has really known that you know I know the law I'm involved you know I've challenged them on a number of occasions you know from parole um, to other things around town to doing our events I've actually paid the cops to do we've done continuing education credits in Traverse City on the lakeshore so I've paid the cops to come and do events and work work the events for me I'm getting meetings with the chief of police to pull park permits you know just getting the whole community involved doing marches down the bay with reverend steve and michigan normal um you know um, so they know that i've really done done my work i've been all over the country with this stuff so they've kind of left me alone when they did do the raids in traverse city i was actually had was doing my schooling at the time um uh, to be to be a medical assistant so all through college, I wasn't doing it to get a job. Like at the end, my externships, they usually breed you to fill a position. And I'm telling them like the whole time through my, it was like three years of schooling, I had to go part-time because I didn't have time to do full-time. And um, i telling them the whole time, like, I'm not here for a job. Like I make more money than the teacher. Like, I mean, at least I should be, at least we're not, but at least <laughs> it felt like it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a job for what she made for anyone else to do it for myself. But, <laughs> you know, um, I did it because I love the industry. Like I wanted to be able to take care of our patients. I wanted a better understanding of their conditions and how medical marijuana, THC and CBD was gonna personally affect each person with their condition and how we could dial it in. And what that's given me is a real safety also with the Section 8 Affirmative Defense. Like we establish all of their medical history because Section 8 has been set in stone also with case law that that's valid. If you meet these criterias, that Section 8 can apply. And we we have gone through and made sure that we meet all those criterias also because we first you get you certified, you see our doctor, you go through a consultation with me and do a medical recommendation with a licensed healthcare professional. And we try to get you to start with CBD, but if CBD is not enough for you, we know how to guide you into that path of using THC, and I've specialized in one-to-one -one strains. I've got a bunch of seed stock and different clone genetics of one-to-one -one strains that were really popular and in the Ann Arbor area, and I still have shops that reach out to me and asking if we're licensed yet on the MRTA side so they can get our one-to-one -one strains and things back in stock. But 
Um, unfortunately, my township that I live in right outside of Traverse City, it's like I'm just around the other side of the line where my building is now um, that I was able to move a couple years ago, right before we went into the 2018 election for adult use. Um, is right outside of the city limits. That's what I found that was available with a landlord that was friendly. I could combine grow space and office space and everything into one complex and, um, you know, and try to move forward. And, but my township is very hands off, um, everything to do with medical marijuana. Because um, they're watching Traverse City go through the continual trouble of the licensing you know traverse city has got big money lawsuits on them right now because of what they did with medical and now what they're trying to do we're trying to license with adult use and the conflicts there yeah they brought that on themselves <laughs> yeah yeah they did that stopped. Um, that's like the east lansing <laughs> meeting down here you want your head explode you, yeah, and you know, it's it's that small town mentality up there still in Traverse City. Like, if you're not in the system, you're not one of the good old boys. Like, you know, or, or they will still, to me, it seems like they'll still take the best, biggest player in the game. Like, like they can be bought almost. So that's kind of sad. But luckily, I have a really good relationship with my township. Um, I've approached them a few times. Like, I know you guys don't do medical marijuana, but can I come and do CBD and hemp? Um, and you guys won't have a problem with that, you know, and just my reputation that that they've just left me alone. Like even across Michigan, Don Bailey was a big trouble for a lot of people. Right. Some of you guys remember that name. Right. Don Bailey, the state police sergeant. Well, he was a state police sergeant out of the Traverse City Post. You know, I ain't never seen that man outside of something to do with medical marijuana, you know, and I'm really lucky with that. But. It's because of the local history that I have. Like they know I'm a fighter. They know I know the law. You know, um, you know I've dealt with the state police in this area and his superiors in the past um, with situations that have come up. Um, you know, and also they know that I'm not a bad guy. Like I'm just trying to to to, to fight for what I believe in. You know, like in the past I'd served meal community meals through the church next to our sheriff, and you know I've had cops kids come in and, and that they've had me go into the jail and counsel other other kids that have been in trouble that we knew through the church um you know so i've always been a position of, of leadership and change because of being grown up in the church and dad being a preacher a lot of a lot of people looking at me a lot of weight on my shoulders a lot of responsibility at a young age and i just learned to carry that like learn to be able to to be a fighter for those that aren't strong enough to fight for themselves really is what it comes down to. That was a, a value or something that my dad taught me at a really young age. I also grew up in martial arts. So my dad was a, is a Marine and, and, and taught karate um, when I was a young, young man also, or a young kid uh, growing up. So it was like, that was something that was always instilled in me. Like you weren't a bully, but if you had to bully a bully, you could type of thing. Like don't let anybody walk on you, you know, stick up for the little guy, you know, always fight for the underdog. Like even in our church plants and church starts, it was like the people that were like misfits and oddballs that didn't necessarily fit in in a normal, regular church. Like 
My dad was real good with putting those people together and building something with it, you know, and I've kind of been able to do the same thing with the cannabis community. Sometimes it's really hard to get people to play together in this industry, but I think I've been able to do a pretty good job of like keeping things together and keeping them moving. And I agree. I say I am truly probably one of the few people that has really stuck to it all these years, like stuck to my mission and passion. Like for Traverse City, my goals were drive availability up and drive prices down and make it more culturally accepted. And and I think we've done that in our community and we've, you know, been involved in doing that across at least the Midwest. Without so. a doubt. Hey, hey uh, we're starting to run a little short on time. We could do this for hours, but I wanted to give Kevin and Tom a quick chance to, to ask a question here. Uh, I've learned a lot today, so go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, hey, Michael, this is Kevin over at True Cannabis. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to say how much we appreciate you, um, you know, fighting this, this case to allow... Uh, marijuana to be used while you're on probation if you're a medical patient. I think it's something that's well overdue. Um, and I think that we might see some more changes moving forward as far as law uh, for recreational use as well. Um, you know, I've been in positions like you are. I'm, I'm very similar about uh, my passion for cannabis and fighting the good fight. And I know how tiresome it can be. Um, it's, it's not something that's easy. Um, it weighs on your shoulders, it's stressful. Um, What's next for you? Are, are, are you are you eyeballing something? Are you gonna just kind of kick back for a minute and kind of figure out uh, where things go from here? What what do you got? What do you got your eye on? So I took last year to kind of see what the industries were gonna do. Like Ryan had asked about the hemp industry. You know, sadly the hemp industry, the CBD market has crashed. Um, you know, Michael Klump is another hemp leader of the industry down at Ag Marvels. And when I sat down and talked to him a couple weeks ago, he's like, I'm telling people that call me about CBD that you just better plan on losing $3,000 an acre and sitting on a bunch of oil that you don't know what to do with if you can even get somebody to process your crop because processors is the biggest bottleneck in the industry right now. Um, you know, and, and for the cannabis side, I've really been looking for like a good company to part with. Um, there's a number of people that have asked me about doing something with them in Traverse City. It's hard to see right now who's going to make it. I don't really foresee 13 medical shops making it in Traverse City. Um, that's a lot of competition. That's more competition than we had before. These people, a lot of them are counting on that summer tourism market. And I live here. It's a good summer tourism market, but most people bring their own stuff with them unless they're really coming from another state. You got them people that are, do stop in, obviously, in the summer and like, oh, I ran out or I didn't bring enough or, oh, man, I ran out the house and forgot my bag of weed, but my medicine. But um, it's, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. You got big guys like Loom that are counting on their shops doing a million dollars a yeah. month. and. You know, it's, they, I've seen them talk about it and on their projections and stuff. And I'm just like, come on, they got 14 stores, you know, and they're counting on doing that at every one of the stores on an average. Like, you know, I, I so where this industry is going and what's next for me is still kind of, kind of yet to be seen. Um, I'm really focusing on my clinic again this year. We got a couple of good years left, I hope, of, of keeping people's cards renewed. Um, and, and really like reaching out now with my CBD stuff. 
I should have done it sooner. I'm really used to people reaching out to me to get our CBD products. And, you know, and I, for so long, I was like one of the, I was like the only one doing it. Well, now there's corporate CBD on every shelf at every store and every gas station. It's like, how do you get them to buy a local brand now and believe in the story and the and the passion of why we make our product and the, the intent in which we make our product? Um, but on the activism side, that's something I've really been debating. Like, what do we do next? Like, I'm an activist. I'm a fighter. Like, I want to force change. Um, and how do we do that next? And last year, especially as things have been evolving with COVID, like I really have had that leaning on justice reform. And obviously I've always fought on that justice reform side. So I still get calls from prison from friends every day. Um, until this thing federally changes and nobody is going to prison federally for cannabis anymore. I think that's something that needs to be a focus still for our for you know me and the activism in Michigan. I have done gotten with uh, ASA, the Americans for Safe Access, and I did the national conference out in Washington D.C. And like you said, that guest you had on the last show that did his you know the federal time and all that. Um, you know, being able to walk in to Congress. You know, I've spoke in front of the House of Representatives in Michigan, you know, and then I had the chance to go to D.C. and speak to our our reps in D.C. and actually be heard and listened to now when, like, we weren't nothing but a number, you know? We were nobodies. Um, and it's life-changing that, like, even to show people where I'm from, like, a small town of Ludington that I was born in, or a small town of Kingsley that I grew up and graduated from. Like, we can still do things to make change. We can still have an impact. You know, we can still, um, there are still ways to make change in these continued broken systems that we have to fight every day. And that's something that has always been real important to me. So I think that's, well, I'll really focus energy this year, apart from, you know, our hemp seed and hemp clones and genetics. Like I really focus on the genetic side. My, my bedroom is four times the size of my flowering area. You know, I really focus on having great genetics for people that work in our climates. But outside of that, my goals are always the activism. Um, so it's, I think this year is gonna, really focus on where I can get involved more with groups, other people. I, I get stuck sometimes in just doing my own thing and, and taking my own approach. But I know that if I get with other people and get in the right groups, that I can be more effective and have a greater impact well, that, than trying to do things by myself. That's something we definitely will, uh, I'll be following back up with you then, Michael, is, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot with the foundation and um, I do need, do need help and, uh, um, obviously you've got a great angle especially being in the system and, and doing it but man we could talk all day and uh, i wish we could i wanted to do a, a quick wrap up and let old tom over at real leak uh you know say uh, say a couple words or a uh, quick question and then, well, uh, yeah i know it's it's want to thank you again i had my own issues with the 55th district court and uh i i wasn't as successful in my you know in my endeavor, but, um, you know, lifting, you know, this publicly, the stigmatisms lifted 
it's time for our justice system to catch up and it needs to do it quick and people like you are the ones spearheading the effort and we appreciate it you know the people on the commercial side that still have the love and we care you know and you know we have your back and we appreciate you having everyone's back and i could go on and on it's so many notes but we'll have to catch up sometime but it's a pleasure to meet you finally yeah, no, Tom, I'll make sure I come out to Kalkaska and pay you a visit. You're right next door. So, no, it's hard to see. Like you said, there are those people in the industry that are the founders that have had the opportunity to make it over to the licensed commercial side. And those are the folks which I want to work with is why I had a plan on stopping in and seeing Penny today here at Northern Specialty Health anyways, um, because, they're, you know, she is she's been around for a long time. Another one of the the pioneers kind of in the industry of like helping this and and she was able to do the conversion and and do this change over to the new system i tell you sometimes change scares me and and the whole idea of giving the government tax dollars right now on a plant that i've been getting locked up for for many years of my life it doesn't sit right with me yet um i'm still trying to trying to absorb that (laughs) I, i hear that and Kevin, Kevin over at Two Cannabis, you got any uh, final thoughts for Michael? Yeah, Michael, um, you know, there's there's a saying that I've kind of lived my uh, my growing life on. And that's that's that that saying is uh, we stand on the shoulders of those that came before us. And I have a feeling that there's a lot of people that are going to be standing on your shoulders for a lot of years to come for all the work that you've put in on this case. Uh, it's a great thing that you did. It's it's so selfless uh, for you to have done it because obviously it didn't affect you. Um, and I love that about uh, people when they when they do things for the right, uh, not not for any other alter motivation. And uh, and obviously you, you you've, you you're passionate about uh, people and about uh, you know this plant. And uh, I commend you. I appreciate everything you're doing, buddy. Thank you, guys. You know, again, I really appreciate you guys having me on and, and helping me to get the word out there. Like this case does, it has national implications. I never expected this kind of publicity. Um, it's extremely humbling because I'm one of them guys that I do things for the right reason and I don't really need the recognition for it. We do it because we're supposed to. Um, it's like one of them old Bible verses, like you don't pray from a grandstand, you pray in the closet by yourself to get things done. And you know that's kind of how I've been in my life. Like we do it because it's the right way. But this publicity that has come from it, the knowledge and the awareness, that's what needs to get out there is that people have this right. We can't keep letting the systems, you know, like beat us up and take advantage of the law. Like we've passed this law, we passed it again under adult use. We've shown time and time again that the people approve this law, they approve this plant, they approve this, having the option as a natural medicine and not being forced down dangerous pharmaceuticals with horrible side effects that can cause, that are, you know, the endless road there, Um, you know, but that we continue to have this choice and that it is our choice and that it needs to be, you know, recognized, you know, across the state of Michigan and in every courthouse now um, as its law. Um, They use their laws against us for so long and now we have to use our laws that are on the books, you know, to get back where we can and get the change um, accomplished, you know, where we can. Um, Michael, once again, you made me think a lot about a few things uh, jogging down memory lane today, like um, 
2009 when you were the, you were on the MMMA. I was in my you know in my house, uh, <laughs> caregiving in the basement. Hadn't quit my career yet, and was just watching the MMA chat board, watching Jamie Lowell argue with you know like Blueberry or whoever, just all that stuff. <laughs> Here we are, 11 years, almost 12 years later, we're we're doing a podcast talking about. Uh, you know, that mission that you set out 10, 11 years ago on probation, getting that accomplished. Um, you know, Tom and Kevin were in the industry at that time too, and uh, um, we're all we're all doing it. So one other thing is, is uh, you made me think about, you, you got get calls from guys in prison. Um, one of the cool things is I'm getting messages. There's uh, cell phones are out there now, and that we do have a lot of people that are in, in prison in Jackson that are listening to the show. So that I know they're, get excited hearing about from people like you when I have them on. I know Weldon's, Weldon's show last week was a big hit with them. So it's exciting, exciting times. I didn't have, I didn't have a cell phone when I was in though, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I knew a couple people that did, but it was, yeah, rare. It was yeah, rare. Rare. <laughs> to the next level. But besides that, I think, uh, just so you know, what I see the industry is, uh, People like you are rare, and uh, uh, your value now is so much more than a year ago as, as these big companies are finding out that um, you actually have to know about cannabis, the culture, the medicine, what it's like, what people like. It's it's not a widget, and uh, you, uh, you sitting back kind of for a year figuring this out, trust me, your value is going up, um, and people are starting to realize that in the industry. So uh, I'm looking forward to the year. Thank you for all you've done, and thanks, everyone, for another great show. And we'll see you next week. All right. Well, thank you guys for having me. And again, thank you, Ryan. You know, it's, it's not an easy walk to the walk that we've had to go through, but we all continue to do what we can to move this industry forward and change that culture and the stigma. So thank you again for having me on. And you guys have a wonderful day. Thanks, Mike. The Smoke and Rope podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncana.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.